section forty two of the rainbow this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rainbow by d h lawrence chapter thirteen part six in the morning again she must go to school she got up and went without murmuring even to herself she was in the hands of some bigger stronger coarser will school was fairly quiet but she could feel the class watching her ready to spring on her her instinct was aware of the class instinct to catch her if she were weak but she kept cold and was guarded williams was absent from school in the middle of the morning there was a knock at the door someone wanted the headmaster mr harvey went out heavily angrily nervously he was afraid of irate parents after a moment in the passage he came again into school sturgis he called to one of his larger boys stand in front of the class and write down the name of anyone who speaks will you come this way miss brangwen he seemed vindictively to seize upon her ursula followed him and found in the lobby a thin woman with a whitish skin not ill-dressed in a grey costume and a purple hat i called about vernon said the woman speaking in a refined accent there was about the woman altogether an appearance of refinement and of cleanliness curiously contradicted by her half-beggar's deportment and a sense of her being unpleasant to touch like something going bad inside she was neither a lady nor an ordinary working man's wife but a creature separate from society by her dress she was not poor ursula knew at once that she was william's mother and that he was vernon she remembered that he was always clean and well-dressed in a sailor suit and he had this same peculiar half-transparent unwholesomeness rather like a corpse i wasn't able to send him to school to-day continued the woman with a false grace of manner he came home last night so ill he was violently sick i thought i should have to send for the doctor you know he has a weak heart the woman looked at ursula with her pale dead eyes no replied the girl i did not know she stood still with repulsion and uncertainty mr harvey large and male with his overhanging moustache stood by with a slight ugly smile at the corner of his eyes the woman went on insidiously not quite human oh yes he has had heart disease ever since he was a child that is why he isn't very regular at school and it is very bad to beat him he was awfully ill this morning i shall call on the doctor as i go back who is staying with him now then put in the deep voice of the schoolmaster cunningly oh i left him with a woman who comes in to help me and who understands him but i shall call in the doctor on my way home ursula stood still she felt vague threats in all this but the woman was so utterly strange to her that she did not understand he told me he had been beaten continued the woman and when i undressed him to put him to bed his body was covered with marks i could show them to any doctor mr harvey looked at ursula to answer she began to understand the woman was threatening to take out a charge of assault on her son against her perhaps she wanted money i caned him she said he was so much trouble i'm sorry if he was troublesome said the woman but he must have been shamefully beaten i could show the marks to any doctor 
i'm sure it isn't allowed if it was known i caned him while he kept kicking me said ursula getting angry because she was half excusing herself mr harvey standing there with a twinkle at the sight of his eyes enjoying the dilemma of the two women i'm sure i'm sorry if he behaved badly said the woman but i can't think he deserved beating as he has been i can't send him to school and really can't afford to pay the doctor is it allowed for the teachers to beat the children like that mr harvey the headmaster refused to answer ursula loathed herself and loathed mr harvey with his twinkling cunning and malice on the occasion the other miserable woman watched her chance it is an expense to me and i have a great struggle to keep my boy decent ursula still would not answer she looked out at the asphalt yard where a dirty rag of paper was blowing and it isn't allowed to beat a child like that i am sure especially when he is delicate ursula stared with a set face on the yard as if she did not hear she loathed all this and had ceased to feel or to exist though i know he is troublesome sometimes but i think it was too much his body is covered with marks mr harvey stood sturdy and unmoved waiting now to have done with the twinkling tiny wrinkles of an ironical smile at the corners of his eyes he felt himself master of the situation and he was violently sick i couldn't possibly send him to school to-day he couldn't keep his head up yet she had no answer you will understand sir why he is absent she said turning to mr harvey oh yes he said rough and off-hand ursula detested him for his male triumph and she loathed the woman she loathed everything you will try to have it remembered sir that he has a weak heart he is so sick after these things yes said the headmaster i'll see about it i know he is troublesome the woman only addressed herself to the male now but if you could have him punished without beating he is really delicate ursula was beginning to feel upset harvey stood in rather superb mastery the woman cringing to him to tickle him as one tickles trout i had come to explain why he was away this morning sir you will understand she held out her hand harvey took it and let it go surprised and angry good morning she said and she gave her gloved seedy hand to ursula she was not ill-looking and had a curious insinuating way very distasteful yet effective good morning mr harvey and thank you the figure in the grey costume and the purple hat was going across the schoolyard with a curious lingering walk ursula felt a strange pity for her and revulsion from her she shuddered she went into the school again the next morning williams turned up looking paler than ever very neat and nicely dressed in his sailor blouse he glanced at ursula with a half-smile cunning subdued ready to do as she told him there was something about him that made her shiver she loathed the idea of having laid hands on him his elder brother was standing outside the gate at playtime a youth of about fifteen tall and thin and pale he raised his hat almost like a gentleman but there was something subdued insidious about him too who is it said ursula it's the big williams said violet harvey roughly she was here yesterday wasn't she yes it's no good her coming her character's not good enough for her to make any trouble ursula shrank from the brutality and the scandal but it had some vague horrid fascination how sordid everything seemed she felt sorry for the queer woman with the lingering walk and those queer insidious boys the williams in her class was wrong somewhere 
how nasty it was altogether so the battle went on till her heart was sick she had several more boys to subjugate before she could establish herself and mr harvey hated her almost as if she were a man she knew now that nothing but a thrashing would settle some of the big louts who wanted to play cat and mouse with her mr harvey would not give them the thrashing if he could help it for he hated the teacher the stuck-up insolent high-school miss with her independence now right what have you done this time he would say genially to the boy who was sent to him from standard five for punishment and he left the lad standing lounging wasting his time so that ursula would appeal no more to the headmaster but when she was driven wild she seized her cane and slashed the boy who was insolent to her over head and ears and hands and at length they were afraid of her she had them in order but she had paid a great price out of her own soul to do this it seemed as if a great flame had gone through her and burnt her sensitive tissue she who shrank from the thought of physical suffering in any form had been forced to fight and beat with a cane and rouse all her instincts to hurt and afterwards she had been forced to endure the sound of their blubbering and desolation when she had broken them to order oh and sometimes she felt as if she would go mad what did it matter what did it matter if their books were dirty and they did not obey she would rather in reality that they disobeyed the whole rules of the school than that they should be beaten broken reduced to this crying hopeless state she would rather bear all their insults and insolences a thousand times than reduce herself and them to this bitterly she repented having got beside herself and having tackled the boy she had beaten yet it had to be so she did not want to do it yet she had to oh why why had she leagued herself to this evil system where she must brutalize herself to live why had she become a school-teacher why why the children had forced her to the beatings no she did not pity them she had come to them full of kindness and love and they would have torn her to pieces they chose mr harvey well then they must know her as well as mr harvey they must first be subjugate to her for she was not going to made naught no neither by them nor by mr harvey nor by all the system around her she was not going to be put down prevented from standing free it was not to be said of her she could not take her place and carry out her task she would fight and hold her place in this state also in the world of work and man's convention she was isolated now from the life of her childhood a foreigner in a new life of work and mechanical consideration she and maggie in their dinner hours and their occasional teas at the little restaurant discussed life and ideas maggie was a great suffragette trusting in the vote to ursula the vote was never a reality she had within her the strange passionate knowledge of religion and living far transcending the limits of the automatic system that contained the vote but her fundamental organic knowledge had as yet to take form and rise to utterance for her as for maggie the liberty of woman meant something real and deep she felt that somewhere in something she was not free and she wanted to be she was in revolt for once she were free she could get somewhere ah the wonderful real somewhere that was beyond her that somewhere that she felt deep deep inside her in coming out and earning her own living she had made a strong cruel move towards freeing herself but having more freedom she only became more profoundly aware of the big want she wanted so many things she wanted to read great beautiful books and be rich with them she wanted to see beautiful things 
and have the joy of them forever she wanted to know big free people and there remained always the want she could put no name to it was so difficult there were so many things so much to meet and surpass and one never knew where one was going it was a blind fight she had suffered bitterly in this school of st philip's she was like a young filly that has been broken into the shafts and has lost its freedom and now she was suffering bitterly from the agony of the shafts the agony the galling the ignominy of her breaking in this war into her soul she would never submit to shafts like these she would never submit for long but she would know them she would serve them that she might destroy them she and maggie went to all kinds of places together to big suffrage meetings in nottingham to concerts to theatres to exhibitions of pictures ursula saved her money and bought a bicycle and the two girls rode to london to southwell and into derbyshire they had an endless wealth of things to talk about and it was a great joy finding discovering but ursula never told about winifred inger that was a sort of secret side-show to her life never to be opened she did not even think of it it was the closed door she had not the strength to open once she was broken in to her teaching ursula began gradually to have a new life of her own again she was going to college in eighteen months time then she would take her degree and she would ah she would perhaps be a big woman and lead a movement who knows at any rate she would go to college in eighteen months time all that mattered now was work work and till college she must go on with this teaching in st philip's school which was always destroying her but which she could now manage without spoiling all her life she would submit to it for a time since the time had a definite limit class teaching itself at last became almost mechanical it was a strain on her an exhausting wearying strain always unnatural but there was a certain amount of pleasure in the sheer oblivion of teaching so much work to do so many children to see after so much to be done that one's self was forgotten when the work had become like habit to her and her individual soul was left out had its growth elsewhere then she could be almost happy End of section forty two